Hello and welcome back to the Motorsport Bathak podcast. I'm your host Didi and joining me today once again is my friend and your co-host Vedant. On this episode we'll be talking about the F1 French GP. So let's grab some chai, take our seats, ready your opinions and dive right into the conversation. Well Vedant, we can talk about the French GP all we want, but the breaking news is that um Sebastian Vettel has announced his retirement from driving in F1. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's a it's a very sad day for Formula One because not just for Formula One, Formula One, but for motorsport in general, because one of the biggest names in motorsport, one of the uh, like you know biggest best personalities in Formula in motorsport, is retiring. He's not going to be in the paddock anymore, at least for the you know near future. He might come back as a pundit. Or as a competitor later, but I don't think he'll come back in the near future as such. But uh, yeah, it is a very sad day. And although I was not a big Seb fan during his Red Bull days, because obviously we are Ferrari fans, right? <laughs> but the when he joined Ferrari, you know, I was a little dicey that why is he coming to Ferrari and all that. But man, that guy <laughs> won me over throughout his not just his Ferrari driving, but his personality. and you know the 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 change in personality that we saw over the last few seasons it was enough to make a grown man cry i guess yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i mean he's the, he's the one you know who reignited the ferrari dream and um, a german driver who had won a world cha- more yeah. than a one more than one world championship in this case uh moved to ferrari with the same dream that you know michael schumacher had created uh it and it was just sad um, i mean obviously for a lot of at least ferrari hardcore ferrari fans sebastian vettel had retired the day uh, he, it was announced that he won't be driving for yeah. ferrari anymore and it was just a matter of time you know when a world champion uh, before a world champion quit uh, driving in f1 because all he could drive in was uh, was a backmarker car uh, but yeah definitely uh, definitely sad again like you said i wasn't the biggest fan of uh, of Sebastian Vettel when he was driving driving and yeah. winning for Red Bull <laughs> uh because we all wanted Ferrari to win uh and obviously uh you know um even with Ferrari when he was driving for Ferrari he in in my opinion he squandered one uh, world title championship challenge uh sooner yeah, than he should have but uh other than that you know obviously everybody loves Seb and uh, like I I think I don't know if you've seen the video but in his short interview clip that he had with F1 I think he was talking to Lawrence Burrito you know he said there's a lot of things uh, obviously he he said that he he wants to spend more time with his family with his kids but he said you know there are a lot of other projects that he's also interested in so it'll it'll be very uh, in, i mean i i'm waiting to see what seb does next yeah that is a question like you know when people had been spe- speculating about lewis hamilton re- retiring the same question was there you know what what will lewis do next uh, but i'm i'm excited to see what does seb do yeah next. absolutely i mean uh it was a you know multiple of factors he was obviously had a young family he was not in in a car that he was promised when he joined aston martin right he was promised much better success if not wins and podiums but at least fighting in the midfield for the first couple of seasons but right now they are just fighting to get into the top 10 as such and of course his other projects his other hobbies outside formula 1 which is very passionate about as we have seen and you know the the b project the lgbtq community plus community project 
I think these are I think these are the things that he'll he'll get involved with. And if you know he if he can get those things and connect them to Formula One or motorsports in general in some way or the other and take his two three passions together, it would be the great greatest thing. Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more. But uh, Sebastian Vettel leaving has raised a huge question. You know, Lawrence Stroll, like we have talked about again and again, Lawrence Stroll is not going to win uh, a world championship with Lance Stroll in that Aston Martin. <laughs> but who is going to accompany Lance Stroll next season? And uh, I remember two years ago when COVID hit, uh, Sebastian Vettel was uh, Sebastian Vettel's move away from Ferrari is what kicked off yeah. the silly season. <laughs> now, obviously, we've had some silly season. You know talks so far about Oscar Piastri, you know, Logan Sargent even, and uh, a, a couple other drivers. Um, Sebastian Vettel has just vacated one more seat in F1. And he's vacated, a seat, and you know, Daniel Ricciardo we talked about, but he's vacated a seat for sure going to next season. There are no ifs, buts, and ands uh, about this seat. What are your thoughts, Vedan, on who's going who's gonna to fill those boots that Sebastian Vettel will be leaving? It's a very interesting topic, and we can speculate all we want, right? We can debate about it for a one-hour episode, right? But it won't be enough. And I think, obviously, we have a few candidates for all the seats in Formula 1 right now. Uh, Logan Sargent is the newest candidate, but he's, I think he'll, he's only, he'll only be a candidate candidate for Williams, right? But Josh Capito has already said, just, just on that, you know, Josh Capito has come out and said that Logan Sargent will not be moving to F1 yeah. immediately. That means next season. Uh, he said at least you know 20, until 2024 because he want Josh Capito wants Logan Sargent to spend another season in F2 and he's made that pretty clear. So uh, I think Logan Sargent is pretty much out of the conversation. Well, then point. it leaves us with Oscar Piastri, and yeah, I think wait who else? It's only I mean Nico there's Nico Hulkenberg, Nico Hulkenberg yes. who's a super sub, but again he's he's not exactly a race yeah, winning exactly. driver. But see, uh, and when you put Nico Hulkenberg and Lance Stroll together, you get P10s <laughs> and P11s. Maybe the thing P7. is, the thing is, no race-winning driver will move to Aston Martin for 2023. All right. What about a left field move? What about Roman Grosjean making his comeback? I don't think Roman will come back to Formula One. I think Roman <laughs> and any other driver in IndyCar right now. He's just moved yeah, to the yeah, US. Yeah, he just, like, he just settled, settled exactly, in the US this year. With all his family. So, and yeah. on that note, you know, another Formula 1 driver in IndyCar, uh, Marcus Ericsson. I don't think these guys will move to no. Formula 1 to fight for a couple of points, right? Even Roman Grosjean can fight for, you know, top 5s and top 7s right now and potentially podium. So, I don't think anyone from IndyCar is coming. To Aston Martin specifically, if if hypothetically Daniel Ricciardo vacates that seat and Daniel Ricciardo joins Aston Martin, as there have been rumors today, then we can potentially then we can oh, potentially yeah. see someone like uh, Alex Palou to come and join McLaren, right? But other than that, I don't think. Yeah, talking talk about Alex Palou, uh, Chip Ganassi yeah. and we sued him. <laughs> it it was coming, but it's still. It, we all knew it was going to happen because yeah. that is the next step in, in, in those proceedings. But it still hit like a... It, it was still very shock, shocking for some reason. I don't know why. Like, uh, it was expected, but 
when when I saw the news, I'm like, what is happening? Why is this happening? And then I like obviously it makes yeah, sense. I mean, but... it, yeah. <laughs> anyway, coming back to F1. But yeah, it's I mean it's the silly season has just started. You know, all the other rumors and all the other deals and contract extensions are not part of the silly season. The silly season has just begun, and as usual with Sebastian. Well, not usual, but yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if Gasly Gasly has for sure signed with uh, for sure signed yeah, with Alfa Tori uh, for has. 2023. Okay, okay, he has. I was like, otherwise, yeah. this is a great opportunity for Gasly to finally move out of somewhere where he's never going to, you know, yeah. uh, move up. But uh, I think some people are talking about Nick De Vries. Uh, but if, if if you're talking about Formula E, someone I would like to see in an F1 car would be yeah. Jeff. Uh, <laughs> uh, it will shake up the paddock a little bit. It will create some drama, uh, and it will be a lot of fun if if that that is the case. Uh, but yeah, it's we have so many juniors, but somehow like obviously Aston Martin does not need a junior driver. It needs someone who's 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 there with experience and everything else. Um, you know, speed. Uh, who's very good at development and all of this. And somehow we are out of such drivers. Uh, which is really weird uh, to say because uh, I think two podcasts ago we were talking about, oh, there's no room for, uh, you know, new drivers or other <laughs> drivers from other places. And now we're like, oh, well, we need someone with experience and who's going to yeah. fill those shoes? I mean, obviously. Uh, and, and when you think yeah, about I'm like... sorry, but Sebastian Vettel's shoes are too big to fill, right? So that's that's another level altogether. Yeah, and I'm like, uh, and when you think about all of that, then Daniel Ricciardo suddenly sort exactly. of makes sense. Because he has a lot of experience, he's done well before. Yes, he has not had a good couple of years, but that was Seb when he moved to, you know, Aston Martin. Uh, obviously, Daniel's not a world champion, but uh, he's a multiple-time race winner. He almost gave Max a run for his money when he was at Red Bull. Um, and uh, he's got a lot of experience yeah. under his belt. Daniel Ricciardo outright dominated Sebastian Vettel. In his first in his first season yeah, as yeah. Seb's teammate in in the Red Bull, which Seb dominated. So yeah, Daniel Ricciardo has the experience to uh, lead Aston Martin now, as such. Yeah. Um, so uh, I mean, what does Lawrence Stroll want? Is is the question? I guess at the end of well, the day, I don't, uh, what I don't is think he Lawrence do? Stroll knows what he wants because the way the Oh, he he knows he he knows he wants yeah, a world champion. he knows so that, but that. I don't think I don't think he's <laughs> going about the right way, or you know, they like. I don't know his his expectations are too optimistic for Formula One. I I, I think that, but who knows what can happen, and who knows what will happen. So all we can hope is have a good yep. summer break after this weekend. And hopefully things will start taking shape. Oh uh, well, uh, yeah. we'll see, we'll see. Uh, but in, in, enough about everything yeah. but the French GP. You know, uh, let's let's come back to the French GP. Uh, and obviously, um, so when that Leclerc crash happened, obviously that is the biggest talking point, right? When that Leclerc crash happened, the first image in my mind was uh, Sebastian yeah. Vettel in the wall at Germany in 2018. And I was like, this feels the same. And then uh, I opened up Twitter. Everyone and, was know, feeling the there same. There were a few exactly. people who said exactly the same thing. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm not alone. And it does seem like, you know, there's a 63-point difference now between Charles Leclerc and uh, Max Verstappen. Charles Leclerc will ideally have to win every race 
uh, from now on to, you know, have a chance to win the world championship. Yeah. Which seems quite impossible given the first 12 races <laughs> of the season. <laughs> uh, and what is even more confusing is Matya Binotto said about four races ago that, you know, we are not trying to fight for the world championship this year. If yeah. you remember that. Uh, we're just trying to fight for race wins. And now Matya Binotto comes out and says, oh, we need a 1-2 in Hungary and all and as many races as going forward. And I'm like, <laughs> do you know what your plan is? <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> so what what are your thoughts, Vidam? Because the way, the way I am looking at it is, uh, if you don't get a 1-2 in Hungary, you move on to next year immediately. There is no point trying to win this battle now. Yeah, I mean... You move because because the points gap is too huge. You know, you move on to next year. You prepare for next year and you do your best to get the best car possible next year. Uh, but if you get a one-two in Hungary, then you try to hold out as long as possible, as long as you keep getting those one-twos or you know just winning with Charles for as long as possible. And then as soon as you lose, you you move on. As soon as that gap gets too big, obviously it's it's not over till it's over. But you have to be a bit realistic because here we're talking about you know. Ferrari trying to be- beat Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> Not Mercedes yeah. trying to beat Red Bull. I mean, mathematically, I think uh, it goes like this. That if Max Verstappen wins in Hungary, then he only needs second place finishes for the rest of the season to win the yeah. championship, right? Yeah. So, again, as you said, if you, if Ferrari don't win in Hungary, it's over. You, I mean, they can try to win the Constructors' Championship by forcing Terrace into P4 and P5s, right? But they can't win the Drivers' Championship after Hungary. And even the Constructors' Championship would be way more way difficult. It's, it's exactly. pretty out of reach, yeah. So, yeah. I, I think, just just to add to that, you know, I think on Twitter last week, someone posted, uh, uh, posted a stand, point standing if there were, there were points from 1st place to 20th place going from 20 points to one and Ferrari would not would be third in the constructors <laughs> right now because of reliability. Yeah. Just because Mercedes have finished more races. Uh, so that just goes to, and I, I know people will say, oh, it's just a matter of, you know, one or two more DNFs for Red Bull. And I'm like, but are they the ones likely to get more DNFs? And on top of that, if you think about engine penalties, then Charles Gluck and Carlos Sainz are first in line for engine penalties exactly. again. And not, not Sergio Perez and Max Verstappen. Uh, if you talk about strategy, which we'll talk about next, you know, what, what Ferrari did uh, in, during the French GP, Red Bull has the upper hand, uh, whether you like it or not. You know, we've seen Science make his own calls now. Um, Leclerc has been frustrated with a couple strategy calls in the past, especially if you remember Monaco. Monaco should have been a Ferrari 1-2 easy. Easy. Uh, at least a Charles Leclerc win easy, you know. Uh, and uh, Charles Leclerc ended up P4. Yeah. How do you lose three places <laughs> in Monaco? Um so, yeah, I mean, it, it does seem like a hollow dream for this season. Next season, and it, and Matteo Binotto also seems, I, I don't know, like, what press briefing or, you know, how the communications team is going about it. Uh, but clearly, there is something missing again, like we always say, with Ferrari and them approaching the season as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's very disheartening and it's really not... I mean, really not what Ferrari is, you know. When you look at Ferrari, you look at all those world championships, all that glory and everything. But the way Ferrari is, has operated for the last few seasons, it's like a new team. It's like a racing point or someone, right? 
So it's I don't know what will happen, but one thing's for sure. Even if they win, even if Ferrari win in Hungary, and even if they dominate for the rest of the season, in in terms of pace, right? For Red Bull can still beat Ferrari in terms of reliability and strategy calls. So, and we know that Ferrari is one of the weakest in terms of both reliability and strategy. And I guess even if they have pace, I don't think they can claim this season as their own. I can point out one race from the top of my head where the Red Bull will be faster uh, overall, in my opinion, and that is Monza. That is Ferrari's yeah. home race. Uh, so yes, Ferrari won in Austria. It's got a lot of straights, but Monza has longer straights. It's got more opportunity to overtake if you have that top speed uh, and whatnot. So that is one thing. And then uh, we're also going to Spa. So but Spa, Spa does have um, some, you know, medium to high speed corners. So Ferrari yeah. can catch up on those. But 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 that was the same argument you made for the first few races in the season. You know, after the first couple of races. But what we saw was that losing out speed on the corners does not hurt you as much as losing out speed on the straights because you always have the yeah. DRS to attack. Whereas Ferrari could not attack if they were second because the DRS was not... A- yes, yeah, they've, they've made, you know, uh, they've, they've, they've come around and they've made progress, but it hasn't been enough to beat Red Bull um, down the straight. Regardless, uh, let's go to the Ferrari strategy call. What was your thought on that? Carlos Sainz seemed to defend the strategy call that, they, that Ferrari made that uh, basically... Put him from P3 to P5. Uh, Mike Caulfield, on, who's ex-Haas strategy engineer, he uh, did not seem to agree with that uh, on Twitter. Uh, what were your thoughts? I mean, it was a very strange, if uh, strange series of events, right? First, Carlos Sainz asks them, and they decide that, like Carlos himself decides that they can pit because he's not able to catch Perez. And if they put the you know the plan B or D or whatever, and then as soon and then uh, at that point Ferrari deny him the request right. They said don't don't box you go ahead with the, on these tires, and then as soon as he overtakes Perez somehow, and clearly Perez was having tire problems of his own as we saw further down the race. Ferrari call him in, so I don't know what they were thinking, like if if. Signs was P3. Even if he had, you know, degrading tires towards the end of the race, he would have lost minimum one place, you know, ma- maximum two places, sorry. And he w- would have finished P3 or P4 in my opinion. But now he pitted and he had to climb back all those places again. And obviously overtaking is like he had the softer tires and everything. But overtaking is in a challenge in itself. He, he just didn't have enough time after that because exactly. he only had 10 laps. So he was like, he, he he basically gave up two positions without fighting for it. So like if they would have pitted like during lap 33 and then try to give Carlos Sainz enough time to possibly make, make it up to P3, then that is a different conversation. Uh, or if they would have tried to go, go to the end and see what happens. Unless there was a scare where there was a tire yeah. blowout uh, possibility, there was absolutely no reason to pit with 10 laps to go. Uh, at least from what I think, because with 10 laps to go, you're putting Carlos, uh, Sergio was P3, so you're putting Carlos about 26 seconds behind. Now, Carlos on any tire is not going to have the pace 
to lap 2.6 seconds faster per lap than Sergio Perez and overtake him and George Russell in the process. Him, George Russell, so and I'm not the McLaren's sure what they were. Alpines in between. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, he's definitely not going to have the pace. I'm not sure what Ferrari was unless there was a, unless they thought that the tire was going to blow up or Carlos was going to have a similar crash yeah. as Charles, um, possibly, and they were you know uh, hedging against it. Uh, that is the only reason I can think about why they would suddenly pit Carlos. Uh, but again, Carlos was not exactly having tire problems, and when he was having tire problems, they, they didn't pit him. So who knows? Um, Another question that has come up about Ferrari. Um, can Charles Leclerc ever <laughs> win a championship if he continues to make such mistakes? I think it is too soon to say that. I think, um, you know, Max Verstappen has made mistakes uh, last year, uh, this year. And I think this is Charles making a mistake. And that is all it is. The cost of the mistake is too huge. You can say the same thing about, you know, uh, the way Max goes driving and what his intent is and things like that. And I, I don't think this, the cost of the mistake was huge. And that, that could have been, you know, here or there. We can, we can say the same thing about uh, Lewis Hamilton making the mistake last year in uh, Imola, right? And going off in the wet. Uh, you don't expect that from Lewis Hamilton. That's not how you win championships. But so I, I don't think Carl, uh, Charles has done, has made enough mistakes for me to go out and say, oh, this is not a world championship material at all. Uh, and even if you look at the video footage from his crash, it almost seems unlike I, I, like you can't even tell when the back yeah. of the car gives out whether he's when he transitions from just sliding the car into spinning the car. Uh, it is it is that subtle. So I I think it's okay. I think George Russell put out a good theory that it might have been the bouncing that uh, led to that. Uh, but who knows uh, at the end of the day. And Charles owned up to the mistake. I think uh, he needs to be a little more. He needs to take a more Max Verstappenist <laughs> approach. I mean, this is not a bad approach at all. But he needs to take a more Max Verstappenist approach in the sense that outwardly you say, you know, yeah. shit happens. I'm doing my best. I know what I'm doing. And then you make whatever changes you need to make in the background. Because uh, that's what Max did, in my opinion, right? Uh, he, he was driving a little bit recklessly, but he told the media to shut up. And then he suddenly was driving a little bit more maturely. Uh, it doesn't just happen overnight. He made the changes he thought he needed to make in order to win. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... See, the fact is nobody, I mean, people are questioning it now, but nobody is denying the fact that Charles Leclerc is a championship material driver. He has been one of the most, you know, uh, sought-after driver for years. Everyone's been talking about him and again, him against Max Verstappen and all those things. Now, Max Verstappen, he had... He, like the cars are different things, right? But Max Verstappen has fought for champion fought, fought for a championship last season, and he has fought for wins over the, over the past few seasons. So he knows how to operate in that particular window. Charles Leclerc he did fight for wins in 2019, but in 2020 last season he was not really there, and this season suddenly he isn't in a championship fight, and. Obviously, Charles Leclerc makes mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. And he just needs to, you know, learn from it. Just improve, basically. Improve and get a hold of the situation he's in. I don't think he's he, vo he will never win a world championship. If he has a car, if he stops making mistakes or makes less, less mistakes, changes his style or whatever, he'll win championships. He'll, he might even win two, three, four championships, right? So, 
Yeah. Yeah, and, and Charles, like Charles said, you know, he, he squandered 32 points. But I think Ferrari has squandered <laughs> just as many. Obviously, are, uh, he has the same number of DNFs as, at least before until this, because of reliability, he had the same number of DNFs as Max Verstappen. So the only difference is between strategy calls and Charles making the mistakes. Uh, which just goes to show that, you know, that overall Red Bull have been operating at a uh, higher ceiling. So, um, you know, that, that is what is required from both the team and Charles. I think Chris Medlin did a piece on, uh, you know, uh, Charles Leclerc and uh, so, so, something showing that, you know, Charles Leclerc was not there, basically. I, I think it was similar to that. Uh, I've read so many articles from just mixing all of them up. But uh, basically that, you know, Max Verstappen is a step above right now, uh, Charles Leclerc. And um, there was a lo- lot of comments under, under that that was too harsh. But... I mean, that is also an argument you can make and you can, uh, you know, you can, uh, there is enough evidence to show that, but that is not uh, the opinion, I guess, that I hold at least. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's just a matter of, you know, time for Charles Leclerc to, again, see, every driver has ups and downs, every driver has, does, makes mistakes and yes, Charles Leclerc has made many mistakes and he has owned up to all of them, basically. But I guess it's just a matter of time that he'll come around it. And he has a driving coach. He has a mentor. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he'll, he'll definitely come around it. Yeah. Let's let's talk about Red Bull. Now. Obviously, you know, they're the clear title favorites. But uh, one thing that has come to light, um, and this has been in the conversation for quite, quite a while, and that is that the car, the, uh, I think Sergio Perez also said about that the car development is getting away from him. And... Uh, it is almost showing in the pace again. Like after the first few races of the season, Sergio Perez was up there with Charles, uh, sorry, with Max Verstappen. Uh, and now he's again drifting away once more like we saw um, last year. Uh, you know, he was un- uncomfortable with the car. Um, what, what do you think about it? Do you think that is the case? Uh, or, 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 or Sergio Perez is just lacking pace once again? I, I mean, it's interesting and... Obviously, we know that Red Bull, the, the the basic philosophy behind the Red Bull cars is a little bit peaky and it suits Max Verstappen a bit, right? So, that may be the case. That may be, It may be the case that the development might have gotten away with, uh, gotten away from Sergio Perez. But I don't know. It, I mean, it can be a mix of both. It can be a mix of both. If it's a new car, see, if it's a new car, like, if the new generation of cars in the start of the season everyone was on basically the same scale everyone was learning and everyone was performing like learning on the go right but now that everyone knows the cars maybe Max Verstappen is just extracting that little bit more from the car than Sergio Perez is able to maybe Sergio Perez's nominal performance like his performance is almost similar to what it was at the start of the season but Max Verstappen is going ahead and ahead who knows mm-hmm. yeah and uh, Porsche has now said that it will be basically uh, partners with Red Bull 50% stake in the company uh, Vedant is Red Bull going to pull another Red Bull or is Red Bull going to pull another Mercedes <laughs> over the next 5 to yeah, 7 years I, I was very surprised to hear that Porsche is really investing in the company I thought it would be another you know marketing deal like we have at Sauber or something like that like uh, you know Aston Martin had with Red Bull a few years ago but yeah Porsche investing I think it's going to be a great force like 
one of the largest manufacturers, one of the biggest sports car manufacturers in the world, collaborating with one of the best Formula One teams in the world. So it can go either ways. There can be, you know, a lot of uh, power struggles and everything, and it can go south ways, but it can also go to extreme success. And I'm saying south ways because we have seen what happened with BMW and Williams, right? So it can go either yeah, ways. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 exciting to see Porsche really uh, investing and really having stake in the in the company in the team so that they can actually get involved. Yeah, uh, th- that that is what was interesting, right? That they got a stake in Red Bull Technologies. Obviously, uh, that will include the engine division and a part of the F1 team. Um, but my concern, wh- which is why I, a lot of people have talked about this concern, and which is why I am willing to trust Porsche, Porsche's entry more uh, than otherwise. So, Porsche didn't uh, really admit, you know, to their uh, to their plans in F1 or signed on anything. Uh, until uh, the engine rules was almost finalized, I think I think they're still uh, not finalized, yeah. but they're almost there to where Porsche wants them. And uh, everyone's concern was what happens when these engine rules need to be updated in, let's say, six years, right? Will Porsche up and leave if we don't, uh, you know, if we don't accommodate for them, uh, if they have something that is not in line with what the other manufacturers want? But them buying a stake in Red Bull again can go either ways. A the good way will be, you know, even if there's an engine rule update, which Porsche doesn't exactly agree with, they might still continue to invest in it, uh, hoping that, you know, something else comes along in the future. Uh, because, you know, there is also this Red Bull team that uh, that it has a stake in. But at the same time, it could, I don't know, I don't know much about how these how this partnership will function, but it will also mean the demise of Red Bull Racing to a certain extent, if it is such a case where, you know, Porsche suddenly ups and leaves, uh, because of the change in engine regulations. So, I would still be wary of it. Uh, I just don't know what is the extent of, or what Porsche is thinking, because this engine, it'll, or it'll be the same as Honda then, you know, or you just become an engine supplier and supply engines to Red Bull, but that is not what they've done. Uh, and uh, being just an engine supplier is what allowed Honda essentially yeah. to come in and out of the sport uh, so many times, or with their entire team. But uh, Porsche haven't exactly done that. Uh, and. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out, uh, especially when there is talk of, you know, changing uh, the engine regulations, which will most likely happen in another six years. Um, but well, we'll, we'll just have yeah, to I mean, wait the and Porsche see what happens. situation is very, very intriguing and very new because they don't really have anything other than money invested in the sport, right? They don't have a factory. They don't have drivers of their own they don't have a chassis or anything like that they only have invested money like they only will invest money in red bull be partners with them maybe share livery maybe we will see a livery change at red bull who knows but yeah it's going to be interesting more in like most interesting for me would be how porsche incorporates its pool of drivers from other motorsports maybe porsche creates its own, you know, junior academy. And Porsche has a, a Formula E team. They are entering uh, su- supercars, sorry, sports cars once again. 
and they all already have GTE programs running around all across the world. Yeah, and LMBH, exactly. Doing, Sports cars, as I said. So it's going to be very interesting how the entire yeah. Porsche, like it's it's it would be exactly like what we have at McLaren right now. You know, the entire roster available at your fingertips to play play around with, basically. Yeah, uh, it is definitely exciting. Uh, one last thing before we wrap up. <laughs> Obviously, we've been here for 30 minutes. That's, I think that's the longest podcast it's been in like a few months now. Uh, Alpine. Alpine have overtaken McLaren and it seems that those Alpine updates are working really well. Uh, double points finish for the Alpine boys this week and Fernando Alonso in P6. Uh, what a start from that guy. Um, jumping back on the points bandwagon. Uh, <laughs> how, how does it feel, Vedan? I'm, I'm sure you're yeah, really, really happy I with mean, that result. See, we, we all know that uh, the Alpine season and especially Fernando's season at the start of the season was not as it showed. He admitted, like he claimed that he had lost 60-70 points. But the race.com said that he had less, lost 47 points, whatever. But yeah, I think with the with the results coming in, it is good. It is clear that Alpine is the faster car than McLaren and they'll finish P, what, P4 in the championship. McLaren will fall back to P5 where they were yeah. two seasons ago. That is sad. Yeah, yeah the start of, at the start of the yeah. season, it did not look so well for Alpine. Uh, but... In Bahrain, uh, yeah. Fernando also had to retire because of a sandwich yeah. wrapper, I think. Uh, and Ocon uh, did not have a great race. I think Seb, Seb Vettel uh, ran into the back of Esteban Ocon in Bahrain. Uh, but doesn't Otmar Snavzar look like a <laughs> real champion now? Uh, well, Ot- and uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> having left Aston Martin <laughs> and joined Otmar. Alpine. Otmar has, is a legend of the sport already. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he knows how to finish P4. Yeah. He knows. Uh, but yeah, uh, that that's all from my side. With Anything else that you want to mention before? Yeah, well, nothing else. Part? But yeah, I think like there was news that Haas are bringing in one of their biggest upgrades, which would make them, quote-unquote, a white Ferrari or whatever. Let's see how that goes. I think I saw some uh, snapshot on Instagram, on Twitter this morning. So the side yeah, plot looked... Yeah. Quite yeah. similar, but let's see I how know what you're talking about. Yeah. Because we know that the Ferrari is very unreliable. And we know that the Haas is just... <laughs> well, the Ferrari... Well, the Haas is, has the Ferrari, the Ferrari engine. engine is unreliable. Haas has the Ferrari engine. The chassis is Haas not... has many yeah, yeah. other Ferrari components, right? And I don't know. I mean, the Haas was just getting better and scoring double points. Just started to score double points. I don't know what will happen to them. Absolutely. Uh, well, thank you, Vedant, for joining me once again. It's been uh, it's been 35 minutes. Uh, that's been that's the longest I think we've talked in a stretch about yeah. <laughs> Formula One in quite some time. Uh, but again, you know, thank you once again, and as always, we will catch you on the next one in Hungary. Uh, bye bye.